Blog Talk Radio. Hi everyone, this is Camille from sunny California, and you're listening to the Coffee Chat with Camille show, which is a podcast series that interviews various guests about real-life topics for people who love to learn. Hi, everybody. The name of our show here on Coffee Chat with Camille is The Stress Illusion. Defy the lies that keep you stressed with our wonderful guest, Allison Graham. Allison is a keynote speaker, author, and consultant who works with highly accomplished men and women who love their work, but want more mental and emotional space away from the constant stress of the daily grind. Her last book, Take Back Your Weekend, Stress Less, Do More, Be Happier, is giving hope to professionals across the globe that they can have it all. Stay tuned for news on her next book called The Stress Illusion, which will be released later this year. You may recognize her from media outlets like CTV, CBC, and The Breakfast Television. If you love to hear to have an extra dose of inspiration each week, you're invited to follow Allison on LinkedIn, and you can join Allison weekly on LiftUp at allisongram.com forward slash liftup. Okay, and I think our magnificent guest is waiting, so let's get going with our interview, right? So lovely Hello. to get to chat with you, Camille. Hello, how are you? <laughs> Hi, Allison. I'm wonderful. It's a pleasure to be able to chat with you as well. And I just want to well, welcome you wonderful. to the show. <laughs> Thank you. And I apologize for the background noise. Uh, the uh, oh. I got stuck in traffic, so I'm about one minute away from pulling over uh, and being able oh, to get okay. off of the highway. So. Uh, if there's background noise, we'll, we'll test how quiet my car is. You can you can be in charge of that. So okay, it's okay. No worries. Okay, we're going to go ahead and Thank get you. into this interview because there's so much to unpack. Um, the first question is, what do you mean by the stress illusion? Well, in my journey of my own burnout experience in working with hundreds of professionals, I started to notice some themes about how we're being taught to uh, understand what causes our stress, how it's measured, and how we're expected to deal with it. And so that combined is what I call the stress illusion. And I think if we can change the conversation about how we're supposed to effectively navigate stress, we can actually shift society's overstress culture. Wonderful. And then what is personal capacity design? This is my philosophy around the fact that, you know, one of the illusions of stress is that we can, you know, productivity hacks are going to help us get more organized and feel less stressed. Not true. You can be as organized as you want to be, although it is lovely to be organized, and still feel that sense of destructive stress. And so with the personal capacity design, what I do with my clients is I say, okay, 
if you had a perfect day, week, month, and a year, and all of those need to be designed differently, what would that look like? And then we use the strategies in order to figure out how do we fill that in, and not just from a perspective of what do you need to do, but what do you think, feel, and how are you, what's your essence around? And so we take all of that into account, and that becomes the personal capacity design. And when I say personal capacity, I really mean those resources that you have available to you to do, think, feel, and be each and every day. And most professionals are stuck on repeat. They're just doing the same thing over and over and over again, Got and they're in these patterns that may not be serving them to the best of uh, their, you know, their essence, right? Like they may feel... Uh, many people come to me when they feel like they're suffocating because there's no space, there's no capacity each and every day. Okay, and then how can personal capacity design impact our mental health, happiness, and our overall career success? Well, I think it's really about creating space, right? If we are at a point and to be all like maybe you've had these days where you just feel like you can't even breathe or you don't have a minute to think or to go to the loo right like you're just yeah. so jam-packed and that yeah. is not healthy for our our asset like our being right we can't we can't be fully optimized in how we're supposed to show up in our life feel fully uh you know fulfilled productive have you know optimize our performance or even just be productive uh, innovative, like you think about all of those things that so many companies and organizations are trying to find their way to how do we make our people be more creative and innovative? Well, the way that they're approaching their days mentally and emotionally are often just creating this level of suffocation that you're never going to get that full, uh, full opportunity and full beauty. Okay, then what is the best way to stop a negative inner critic? Oh, uh, this was something I learned the hard way because I used to have an incredibly uh, judgmental inner voice. I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but it was shocking what I used to say to myself now that I look back. But one of the key tips on this is you need to give your internal voice external presence. And what I mean by that is sometimes when our thoughts are just sort of spewing around in our mind, they're so ambiguous, and they can just keep spinning and spinning and spinning, and it's really hard to, to hold on to them and to look at, object, uh, at them objectively. And so if we can just grab a Post-it note or some sort of a piece of paper and scribble down the thought that is uh, negative, then we can look at it objectively. Because we can't have objectivity while at the same time having these thoughts. And that's why okay. it's like, okay, put it down on paper. Let's look at it. Is that true? And then going through the process of neutralizing that storyline is so critical so that we can stop beating ourselves up inside of ourselves, uh, you know, which I think a lot of people are doing. And there's so much wasted capacity in our mind to, you know, just be angry with ourselves or judge ourselves or, you know, say those negative things like, oh, I'm such an idiot. How could I do that? Ugh. It's like it even feels awful for me to say that now. But I used to say that all the time. 
And the only way I could stop it was by writing it down on a piece of paper in the moment, not like some big complicated journaling activity. Just grab a post-it, write down the words, look at it objectively, and then neutralize the storyline. Oh, that's wonderful advice. What would you say to leaders who want to quit their jobs or business because they are sick of the stress? You do not have to quit in order to right-size your stress. And I remember a a dear friend of mine had a, a boss who was just had really toxic behavior and she was so unhappy and she was so stressed and, you know, she would call me on her way home from work and be like, I can't take this one more minute. And she, she wasn't a client. So I've learned, you know, don't give your friends advice. (laughs) And she didn't ask for it. And so I just watched it play out and and she ended up quitting her job and went to another company. And that was, you're really great for 30 days. And then that old boss, got recruited by the same company and became her boss again. So Camille, if we expect by changing our external circumstances that we are going to change our stress levels, we actually are always at risk to whatever is happening around us. And so my philosophy is about taking 100% responsibility for how you're interpreting everything that's happening around you so that you're not creating destructive stress unnecessarily and we don't have to change those circumstances because we may never be able to change them right we have to figure out how do we operate and be okay with the circumstances now because eventually you're just going to take the problems with you right like your patterns are all yours (laughs) and you know wherever (laughs) you go there's going to be you know, lots of work to do, right? There's always going to be pressure. There's, and the more successful you are, the problems are the same. Just little, little tweaks right. to them. But you have to figure out how can you be okay in the middle of what you're already doing. Excellent. And how can you stop feeling burnout when you have way too much to do and too many responsibilities? So first of all, uh, stop expecting the list to finish. Like, you know, people say to-do list, I'm going to get to the end of my list. And they feel like, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I feel like a failure because I can't get it all done. I'm like, yeah, because a list insinuates that one day it's going to end. Like, (laughs) it's never going to end. It's a task circle, right? (laughs) Right? It just keeps going round and round and round. And so if you're emotionally tied to the fact that you have a long to-do list, once again, you're always going to be at risk for destructive stress. And so we have to break that emotional connection. The, the tasks you need to do, the obstacles you need to solve, those are independent of your emotional and mental stability. We have to reframe how we're interpreting all of that that is happening around us so that we can be okay no matter what's in the bank account, no matter what is in the, uh, on the list that isn't done yet. Like those, those external factors, we, we want to be able to be objective with them, not emotionally charged by them. Okay. 
Excellent. That's really the work I do with my, yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, that's really the work that, like, takes some time to really understand how to do it, right? But when I see my clients go from feeling totally like they're suffocating to being like, oh, yeah, I got to do all that stuff over there, and right now I'm going to focus on my family time, and I'm not going to be emotionally charged by that, or I'm actually going to go to sleep without thinking about that list. That that transformation is like there is the beauty. There's where you can love your life again, love your work again without the resentment of having too much pressure. And that that's what drives me each and every day to see that happen. Oh, okay. And then thank you so much. How do you continue to work with intense chronic neuropathic pain? Mm, yeah, that's a that's a big topic. I love this, Camille. Mm-hmm. We're just going question by question. Uh, we can spend an hour on that topic alone. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if we we maybe need to back up a little and just share that okay. I have chronic neuropathic pain. Uh, it was caused by a surgery that happened. It was routine surgery, and things went wrong, uh, as sometimes they do, and it. It really shifted my life because I went from being someone who was so, like, just committed to, you know, uh, like I had a, a post-it note on my my mirror in the bathroom that said, deserve to hit the pillow. And so I would work 18-hour days, and I I thought that if I didn't do enough to serve other people or to serve society as a whole that I had to get that. Like I wasn't allowed to go to sleep. It was so much pressure I used to put on myself. And then the surgery comes along and I go from having 18 hour, you know, a type personality overachiever desperately seeking validation and, and trying to, you know, serve everybody else's agenda instead of my own And I went from that lifestyle to having this surgery that then took me to having two to five hours of functionality a day. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting across from my neurologist at Mount Sinai Hospital. And he said, Allison, you need to understand your pain is never going away. You are never going to be off of pain medication. And it's time for you to reevaluate your expectations for your life. And you, like, now is the time we got to start talking about you going on disability. And I got to tell you, I left that hospital, and I wish I could tell you I was like, you know, little miss, you know, resilience wonder woman walking out of there, but nope. <laughs> I was, I, but I was determined. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. That's not the path. That's not going to be it. And I was so afraid. And that began, the next morning began my operation, Fix My Pain. And it's when I started to discover discover this illusion about stress and, you know, how we're approaching resilience and all of the, the foods are out there that, you know, just made everything harder. And what I noticed yeah. is that as my destructive stress increases, so does my neuropathic pain. 
And I believe that's because there's so much work that my subconscious mind and my, my conscious mind needs to do in order to manage the, the nerve pain, even now, like 17 years later, that I have to be sure that I always have the space and the resources available to manage the pain so I can still do the work and have the pain. And one of the ways, so, so that sort of sets up the, the insights and the story of where it came from. But one of the big key turning points was when I stopped fighting my pain. Like, Camille, I would wake up in the mornings and I had like three words to say and they weren't pretty, right? Like, I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this hurts, <laughs> right? And it was a lot yeah. more colorful than that. And like the whole day was fighting this this knife that feels like it's twisting into my body. And now when I feel that intensity, what I do is instead of getting angry with it and, and fighting it, I like go into it and I've made friends with my pain, which sounds really weird. I'm sure. But what that's done is it's allowed me uh, to free the capacity that is, or was stolen by the negativity, the anger towards the pain, because that, if I use my capacity to fight the pain in an angry, bitter, resentful way, what that does is it steals the capacity for me to be available to fully serve my clients and be with the people in my life who I want to spend time with and to create and to write and to do all of that. So I had to make a decision. How am I going to allocate my resources? And it no longer could be by being bitter about the pain, angry at the pain, resenting the surgeon. I had to forgive him. Um, You know, all of that was just wasted capacity. And so that's really how I, I think about pain and how I manage my company, even with it. Okay, that's excellent. And what is coping fatigue, leadership fatigue, and how do you overcome it? <laughs> coping fatigue is a coin I, I uh, a phrase I coined, I guess I would say that, about <laughs> I, it was – the idea is is you are exhausted from having to be resilient. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times if you were to google coping fatigue, you would get Google would send you something that says uh how to cope with being tired. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the relentless you know uh, proverbial metaphorical punches that life can throw. And there are sometimes, like when you say to certain people who you see off in the distance, like I can think of a dozen friends of mine right now and people in my life who I just like, oh, my gosh, you've gone through so much. And, you know, then you'll say to them, you'll say, gosh, you're so resilient. And they're like, I don't want to have to be this resilient. (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. Like I just am sick of having to be resilient. And it's like I have mm-hmm. uh, resilience fatigue or coping fatigue. And that, that's how that came to be. And so really, I think one way 
you know, and I know we're just firing off all these different ideas here, Camille, but hopefully just a little something will, will stick with each of your listeners. But I, I think the, the key here is we have to look at each challenge individually. Mm-hmm. One, one, one thing, because it compounds. So let's use this on like a, a really simple idea of how a morning can get into a bad routine. So we're, uh, let's say you, you wake up late, you forgot to charge your phone, your alarm didn't go off, you know, your kids are not uh, waking up, they're late, and, you know, we forgot to make lunches and sign a paper, and then, you know, you get outside and you uh, go into traffic and somebody cuts you off and then you, you know, are in the, the lineup at the, the Starbucks and, they get your order wrong and then you spill coffee on you. And, you know, like it's just like it's this little sequence of annoying events that have happened and you arrive at your work and you say, oh, my gosh, I'm having the worst day. But you're not actually having the worst day. You're having a series of inconvenience issues that when you look at each one, you just have to solve it and deal with it. But when you look at challenges as a whole, when you look at all of those things put together, well, yeah, of course, then the storyline becomes I've had a, I'm having a bad day. And so when we think about coping fatigue and when you feel like it's just the punches won't stop, right? You, you lose your job or your company's at risk of going bankrupt or, uh, you know, there's that. And then, you know, somebody you love gets a diagnosis and then you are having health challenges and, you know, like all of these things pulled together. Each one of those legitimately deserves your emotional attention. But when you combine them and you put them with this big umbrella over them, like that's when it just makes everything harder. And so I know it takes a lot of emotional discipline in order to separate each of those things, but like Mm -hmm. really just looking and and this is where pen to paper and looking at here are all the challenges I'm going through and like that, that objectivity, you can say, you know what, that legitimately deserves heartbreak. That legitimately deserves anger, legitimately deserves fear. But we don't want to pull the fear over to this thing that doesn't actually deserve fear, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And it's like yeah. most people just have their emotions and have a blanket everything. And I'm like working with people to figure out how do you identify the emotion and decide what it actually is in relation to and then sort of put up a bit of a, a wall in between those two things so that they don't combine the intensity. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Wow. It's a big concept. Okay, and, it's a, yeah. you know, for coffee chat, it's a big concept. It, <laughs> it, it, it is so powerful yeah. when, when you get it. That's excellent. And then um, our last question is, how do you spend more time in your sweet spot of performance, productivity, profitability, and personal fulfillment? Well, it's a little bit of everything we just talked about. It right. really comes down to the capacity design. How are you allocating those resources that you have each day to do, to think, to feel, and to be? 
And that, like, I'm just going to encourage you to look at a day and find those repeating moments of angst, right? Those times that you know you're going to be irritated, that you're going to feel off of your game and out of your flow. Find those times and look at them and then strategize and problem solve for each one of them individually, one at a time, so that you can start removing some of these these things that are taking you out of your sweet spot of performance, productivity, profitability, and personal fulfillment. And, like, if we can eliminate some of those repeating moments of angst and then have that better emotional discipline, faster problem-solving, a neutralized storyline, all of that comes together to give you more of an opportunity to be in that sweet spot. Wow. Okay, and um, I want to thank you, thank you, thank you. This has been outstanding uh, listening to your um, expertise and advice. And also, I'd just like to know what your favorite coffee or hot beverage is. Well, I am as <laughs> I'm going to be embarrassed to say this uh, publicly, but I won't be embarrassed because that would be a negative storyline. But I am a black coffee, nothing in it. And that's because I learned early in my university days that if I didn't take anything in my coffee, I didn't have to have cream or sugar in my dorm room. And so <laughs> that's it. I joined Black coffee and four liters of water a day. That's uh, and then the odd glass of red wine. But um, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, excellent. Thank you so much, Allison. Um, it has been oh. a pleasure, a pleasure to have you here, and talking to my audience or to our audience. And also, um, did you want to, to um, just leave with the listeners your um, social media handles? Absolutely. So I, my website is alisongraham.com, and you can come and visit me there with all the links, but I'm most active on LinkedIn, and um, okay. I think the other channels are Allison D. Graham, so Allison Dawn Graham, and uh, YouTube is just Allison Graham. So, yeah, come find me. Come say hello, and uh, if you have questions, by all means, shoot them out. That would be great. All right. Thank you so much again. And please uh, drive safely. And uh, I look forward to hopefully having you on in the future. Thank you so much, Allison. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye for now. Okay, everyone. That was a magnificent Allison Graham. Um, I don't know about you, but I really learned a lot. And um, actually, I'm sure you did, too, if you just pay attention to each of these answers, because there was so much to unpack. I um, absolutely took away from Allison's um, interview about how we can compartmentalize the things that we do to um, avoid ourselves of stress. And um, I know for me, I do get um, a lot to do. Um, just putting these shows together and making sure that my guests are taken care of and making sure that I am here for them. And um, then, uh, of course, I have a a home life. (laughs) And then uh, 
I have been teaching English. So um, it can get a little bit overwhelming, to be uh, quite frank. But um, with a lot of the uh, expertise and advice that um, Allison just gave us, I have just learned some things like write write down um, my to-do list and um, don't try to like do it all at once, you know, and figure out um, how to also separate my emotions, right, or our Oh, I have 90 seconds left, so let me hurry up here. Um, But um, also how to um, just really learn how to deal with our emotions and make sure that we're putting them in the right place, right? So at any rate, I am grateful and thankful to Allison. She's a keynote speaker, author, and an awesome consultant. All right. So until next time, everyone. I will be back in about a half hour with my next guest. Thank you so much for listening to Coffee Chat with Camille. Bye for now.